All right, we've got some work to get to today. We've got some things to talk about. So grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be in Matthew 5 this morning. I don't have to tell you how dark this world is and how dark things are in this world because you're smart people and you watch the news and you're likely on social media. So you're, you're full of it. You've, you've, you've heard it. There's doom and gloom and disappointment and, and we've dealt with that. So I don't have to talk to you about how dark things can get in this world, but I do want to ask you this morning, how should we respond to that? How should we be responding to what's happening in the world around us. That's the thing that we'll look at in this text today. I think many of us probably have grown accustomed to the darkness. This happens imperceptibly almost, right? We, we, our eyes get adjusted. We, at first we go, oh my goodness, can you believe things are like this? And then with time we're like, oh, yeah, this is just life. It's just how things are. And if that's true of you and me, if, if we've become a little desensitized to things, then what Jesus says in this text should be a wake-up call to us. I want you to hear this this morning. Matthew 5, starting verse 14, Jesus says to Christians, to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. These are God's words. These are Christ's words to his followers. And I'm going to start simple. We're just going to break down word for word for just a moment today. The first word is, somebody say it, you. There it goes. It's you. Guess what? It's emphatic, and it literally means you is what it means. It doesn't mean anything else. It means you are the only light into the darkness of this world. Jesus says this. It's you. If you're a Christian, you are the light into the darkness. You. You're the only one. Second word is what? Are, and it's in the present tense. It's not in the past tense. You were the light of the world. It's not in the future tense. You will one day be the light of the world. It, it says you are today. Today, you, if you're a Christian, you are the light into the world. That's who you are today. You're the light into the world. That should blow us away just a little bit. <laughs> it should throw our hair back and knock our socks off for just a, a little bit to hear Jesus say that to us. And yet, for some reason, I feel like for a lot of us, it doesn't. We've grown accustomed to even that. Maybe we're just used to it. I've heard that before. The light, the dark, the city on the hill, the lampstand. I got to let it shine, right? We know the song. We're familiar with it. We get it. But do we, do we get it? Do we really get it? What's the third word? It says the what? Light. And the Greek word here is phos. And you may not hear it right away, phos, it's the root from where we get photo or photograph is right there. Jesus says, you are the photograph of me into the world. That's who you are. You are a photo of me. You are how the world sees me and understands me and gets a picture of who I am. Do you guys remember the Polaroid camera? Okay, so they're back in style now, right? They're, I borrowed this one from Lori. She just happened to have it in her office. We didn't have to go buy one. I was like, hey, does anybody have? I've got one. So I borrowed it. It's hot pink. Um, this isn't my camera. I borrowed it from Lori. <laughs> so it, it works just like the old ones work. You just, you point, you click, get one here. Am I holding it right? Yeah. It's waking up. Look at that. So you just push, and out comes the photo. And when it comes out, you know what to do. You got to shake it like a Polaroid picture. That's what Outcast said. Do one here, selfie. You can do selfies with these. That's going to be a really good one. And then you just, you know, wait, and then you just shake it. Sometimes we 
we blow on it. And I don't think you're supposed to do anything like this at all. I really don't. I think you're supposed to just set it out in the light, be patient, stand back, and let it soak in and begin to develop in the way that it should be. But even best case scenario, when you get to a Polaroid picture like this, the best situation is you get some pictures like these. So this is our staff. I didn't warn them I was coming to take staff photos, and I don't think they all appreciated. These will be their new headshots for the website, I'm, I'm pretty sure, this week. They weren't all that excited. Best case scenario, what you get is something like this. It's dark, it's blurry, it's not a great photo. There's a reason you didn't do Polaroids for your wedding photos. They don't make good pictures, right? But it, it makes me curious, it makes me wonder if with our lives, with my life, if I'm like this Polaroid picture into the world. You see what I'm saying? That we're supposed to be photos, clear images, high-res pictures of Jesus into the darkness of this world, but maybe what we're giving is something that's a little blurry and a little fuzzy and out of focus, and it hasn't developed as it should have. It hasn't become what it was intended to. We're meant to be high-res photos, crystal clear pictures of Jesus into this world, and I think a lot of us a very bad selfie. You're supposed to go from above, not below. So that is not going on my, on my website. This is a little anecdotal. I'm just riffing here. But think about this. Why did these pictures never really turn out as great photos? You photographers will give me a technical answer, but real simple answers. One is they were never really able to get great light with these photos. Your subject has to have really good light. And, and probably in these photos here, some of them had no light. One of them, I got a reflection through the blinds, and she was really upset with me about that one. The, the, the subject of the photo didn't sit in the light. Another thing about these cameras is that you have to sit very still. You can't take a quick Polaroid picture. What happens? You get streaks and you get blurs, right? And anecdotally, we can apply that to our lives immediately. We can go, okay, I need to ask, have I really set in the light of Christ? Have I really, really been exposed to him? Have I really set good and still in his light? Or have I moved around so much that I'm really not becoming what it is that I'm intended to become? And that's maybe why I'm a, I'm a, a low-res photo of Jesus into the world. I want you to understand something. Jesus says here in this text, you, you are now, today, the light of the world, the photograph of Jesus into the darkness of this world. This was God's plan and his promise all along. This is the fulfillment, when Jesus says this, of his promise. Isaiah 42 says this, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, listen to this, and I will appoint you as a covenant people, I will appoint you as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. And you see a couple of things right there in that text that I think Jesus intends very much when he says Christians are the light of the world. One, what does light do? Light reveals the truth. What does it say in Isaiah 42? It says it opens blind eyes. It helps people to see. Second thing light does is it exposes the darkness. It helps people to see the life that you're living apart from God really is like a prison. You have not been set free. You're not walking in freedom. You do not have abundant life. You're, you're in shackles. You're imprisoned. Light does this. It helps to reveal the truth and expose the darkness. How do you know if you are a high-res photo? How do I know if I'm a crystal clear picture of Jesus into the world? Well, does my life and do my lips, the things that I do and the things that I say, do they reveal the truth, and do they expose the darkness? 
the way that I live and the things do I, that I say, do they reveal the truth to those around me and do, do they expose the darkness around me? That's how I know if I'm a high-res, crystal-clear photo of Jesus or not. Now, I want you to see something. This is where we start to put some stuff together. In John 8, John 8, Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And then one day when he's thinking about how he will bodily be taken from this earth, one day he will ascend and he'll wait there until he returns for all who belong to him. He's thinking about that and he goes, you know, and he looks out at his followers, he goes, you are now the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now follow me on this, kids. This is gonna, where it gets really fun. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then he says, my followers are the light of the world. Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, sun, and we are like the moon. You tracking with me? The moon does not emit its own light. What does it do? It reflects the light of the sun. There is a time when the moon does not reflect the light of the sun. Do you know when that is? An eclipse, it's during a solar eclipse. What's a solar eclipse? It's when the world gets between the sun and the moon so the moon cannot reflect the sun in the way that it is intended to. And I I wonder about this. Maybe we should be asking ourselves this question. Am I or have I allowed things of this world, have I allowed the world to come between me and Jesus and entered into a spiritual eclipse in my life? Does that make sense? Am I in a season where I've allowed the world to come between me and Christ so I'm not reflecting him because I've entered into a spiritual eclipse season of my life? And you go, Kevin, what are you talking about the world? Like the world in general? Are you talking about busyness? What, what are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Mark 4 is the parable of the sower. Are you familiar with it? Parable of the sower. Jesus tells the story. He's making a point with it. He says there's a guy and he's got some seeds and he's going to plant a crop and he throws some down on the top of the ground and what happens? The birds come down and they, they eat up the seed and so it doesn't grow. There's nothing there. So he takes some and he puts it down in some soil, but it's kind of a rocky soil. So there is some growth that comes up, but the roots, because of the rocks, aren't able to go deep. And so what grows up gets burnt up by the sun. And then he takes some more seed and he scatters it among a thorny ground. And you may have a yard like my yard where it's just full of weeds all the time and there's nothing you can do. It's Plano. And so what happens when it begins to grow? It gets choked out by the thorns. And Jesus goes on to explain what does he mean in this parable and what his what he means, what his point is, is the same point uh, that I'm trying to make about the world coming between Christ and us. Here's what Jesus says. He says, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Or in other words, these three things come between Jesus and me, and because these things are so present and are so uh, active in my life, in my mind, in my heart, I don't reflect Jesus in the way that I'm intended to. Consider this. The worries of the world, I have concerns that aren't just there, but they begin to overwhelm and consume me, so I can't see straight, I can't think straight, I can't act in accordance with what I know is right. When he says the deceitfulness of riches, he's talking about not really understanding what's of value or or in a a level of priority, what has greater value than other things when it comes to God, when it comes to our life, when it comes to the way we use our lives. I'm not sure that I have my life in order in terms of value. 
And then he talks about the, the third thing being the desire for other things. That's just when any other thing begins to become the object of my worship and it begins to distract my attention and my affection away from the Lord and what he has for me and what he intends to do through me. And I wonder if one or mo- more of those things are standing between me and Christ in such a way that I don't reflect him in the way that I ought to. If my spiritual walk and your spiritual walk has been eclipsed because these things have become uh, an object between me and Christ. Now, I mentioned to you last week uh, the story of Peter and John in Acts 4. Do you remember this story? One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Peter and John, they have, by the power of God through them, they have healed a man and they have preached like a killer sermon about Jesus has done all of this and it's all because of him. And the Sanhedrin, which is like the religious, Jewish religious police, have hauled them in before all of the bigwigs in Jerusalem. And they are on kind of a, a trial here. They're being threatened. And they're saying to Peter and John, don't you dare talk about Jesus anymore to anyone. Don't you dare do things in his name any longer. And Peter and John, rather than being consumed with worry, Whether than going, "Uh, I don't know what I should be doing with my life. Peter goes, oh, what a moment. What an incredible moment for us to shine. We can both reveal the truth and expose the darkness. We can expose to their darkened understanding the truth and the light of Jesus. And so Peter stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today uh, for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that it was done by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, by the way, whom you crucified, yeah? Whom God raised from the dead, and by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter and John, standing here with a bunch of scary, powerful-looking people threatening them, stand up so unworried so unfrightened by the situation, so very clear-headed about what really matters and what's of value, and so satisfied in Jesus, not distracted by the desire for other things, but so fully, fully okay within themselves because they have Christ, and he is more than enough for them that when they speak, these powerful people who have gathered against them look, they listen, they hear the words, and this is their response. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood these were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed. And this is awesome. They began to recognize Peter and John as having been with Jesus. This is what it looks like to be the moon reflecting the sun. This is what that looks like. This is what it looks like to be a high-res photo of Jesus, not a, a Polaroid. This is what it looks like. It's to be so in the presence of Jesus that it transforms you. It changes you. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you feel. It changes the way you see. It changes the way you act and react to situations in the world. How could have Peter reacted in this moment? How would you have reacted in this moment? How would I have reacted? Well, if I was hauled in by the the religious police and I am standing in the center and they're lording over me, threatening my life, I would probably be quivering and shaking in my boots. And I pray that I would in faithfulness stand true, but there are days where I go, I'm might try to find a way to squirrel out of this situation. But they did not. 
They had been so in the presence of Jesus that they react in a different way. And people see these guys think differently. They see differently. They speak differently. There's no explanation for them other than these guys must have been with Jesus. Think about this. It's not them shining, but it is Jesus shining through them. It's his glory. It's his confidence. It's his authority. It's his grace because it's by his grace they're saved. It's his truth because he is the way, the truth, and the life that is being seen through them as they respond in this moment. Now, consider these verses, verses 14, 15, and 16 come right after the Beatitudes in, in Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. What are the Beatitudes? There are these statements from Jesus about how blessed a certain kind of person is. Blessed in terms of things are as they should be. Abundantly good in a person's life when these things are true. It says, blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who are grieved by sin. When sin happens around you, you don't just blow it off. You don't go, ah, that's just how the world is. You don't become completely distraught by it. But you grieve. You go, things aren't as they should be. But Lord, by faith, they one day will be. Blessed are those who are grieved by sin. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who long for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pursuer of peace. And blessed are the persecuted. All of those things are the things that you see when you read the Jesus of the Bible, don't you? Jesus was all of those things and and so, so much more. And the person who leans into the life of Christ and is controlled by the life of Christ will live in such a way that people will see those things reflected off of them into the world. And the person who turns back from those things and becomes consumed with worry, becomes distracted by the desire for other things or doesn't know how to order their life in terms of value and importance, well, when they live, the world will not see those things coming out from their life. But these Peter and John, they're drugged before them. They're untrained, it says. They're untrained and uneducated men. But they spoke in such a way that the the bigwigs, the powerful people gathered against them said, I don't know what to say. These guys have been with Jesus. There's no other explanation for them except. And these are not people who believe in Jesus and have a saving faith in Jesus. These people who are threatening them, you understand that, right? These are people who have rejected Jesus, who said he's not who he says he is. He's not the son of God. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. They're not on Jesus' side. They're actually against Jesus. That's their whole goal here is to shut him down. And yet when they speak, they go, these guys have been with him. There's something different here, right? There's no other explanation for their life other than They have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he's shining through them. He's shining off of them. Now, I love this story, so let me wrap this story. Verse 14, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing they could say in reply. It was obvious a work had been done. So they ordered them to leave the council, and these powerful people began to talk. What are we going to do, right? Saying, What do we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. We can't lie and say it didn't happen. It's obvious people have heard about it. What we gotta do, we gotta stop it so that it will not spread any further among the people. Let's warn them not to speak any longer to any man in this name. So they summoned Peter and John back. And when they summoned them, they commanded them, don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus or else. And I don't know what the threat looked like, but it was ominous, right? Verse 19, Peter and John answered, love this reply. 
They answered and said to them, you know, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than him, you be the judge. But as for us, we can't help it. We can't stop. We can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. We have been in the presence of true light, and it's given us life. We, can't, we couldn't stop if we, if we tried. It's too good to share. He's too good not to share. I could put all my effort into it, but it would still come out of me. This is God's plan. Isaiah 42, right? This is God's plan from long, long ago that with the covenant people, they would be a light into the darkness that would open blind eyes and expose the prisons and the dungeons that people live in when they live life apart from God. This is God's plan that Christians would be living so in Christ, so united to him that he would shine through us that because we draw near to Jesus and we, we cling to him, that in our innermost being, his grace and his truth and his kindness, which leads us to repentance, that it all would be boiling up in our life in such a way that we can't help it coming out in our life in the way that we behave, in the way that we, the way that we speak. And it's really not even a decision. It's not even a decision for us. I think sometimes we think it's a decision that I'll do my Bible study, I'll do my prayer time, I'll go to my small group, and then I'll think about, I'll think about when do I want to shine? When do I want to reveal to people that I have something to do with Jesus? It's like Peter and John, they go, we can't help. We can't help it. We've been with him. There's no stopping what has been started now. And Jesus didn't say, you may grow into be light. Jesus didn't say, you may work to be there, you may become light one day, you may choose to be light if you wish. Jesus said, no, you, if you are my follower, you are light. You are, you are the light in the world. The question isn't, am I light? If you are a Christian, simply by identifying with Jesus, you are the light of the world. The question is, how do you shine? Verse 16 Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Jesus says, this is the impact that you're to make with your life. You show people me in the way that you live, and I will make worshipers of God. Your job isn't to go make things happen. You just show people me by living transformed, by living changed with purpose, and I will grow the kingdom of God. I will, I will grow the family of God, Jesus says, if you will live and you will speak in a way that shows people who I truly am. And that does mean that the manner in which we live, the decisions that we make, the actions that we take, the way that we react in person or online matters. It matters a lot, but it doesn't stop there just in the way that we act. It says that we also have to speak in ways that point to Jesus. Otherwise, what we have is just a bunch of good people with good manners, with, with nicety, who are, are acting good. And if we do that, if that's all people see is us acting nice, well, people may think that we're really great people. We may be very well liked by people, but they may not come to understand that every good thing that happens in my life and through my life is from the Father above. It says that we are to have words that say that these good deeds come from gospel seeds that are growing up in my life and producing in me much fruit. Verse 16 says we need to show and tell the gospel, that it is, it's show and tell time, and that when we live as a clear picture of Jesus, I'm not talking about 
you know, checking boxes and, and winning people with names and saying, I've got a target and I'm going to get them all and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all of this. No, when we simply live in Christ and we are unfazed by the worries of the world, we, don't, we can have worry, but we don't let them control us, that Jesus will lead people to turn to God through that. He will. It's his promise. He says, you shine me, I will turn some into worshipers of God. It's a promise he makes good on. There's a warning, though, in the text. Did you see the warning in verse 15? It says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, God lit the light. He didn't put you in a basket to hide you. If you're in Christ, he puts you on a lampstand to shine. Don't crawl off the lampstand and try to get back under the basket. Right? Don't try to be a secret Christian. Don't hide it. It's a contradiction of terms. We learned it last week. How can I follow Jesus if I don't obey what he says? How can I be a follower of Jesus if I'm not obeying what he calls me to? I can't be. Not merely hearers, but doers is what we learned last week. And he calls us. He calls us to declare the gospel. He calls us to declare his kindness. He calls us to declare his goodness and his rightness and his grace with our lips and with our lives. Our very purpose in every waking breath is this, to reflect Jesus' goodness into the world around us. How do we get started? How do we do this? Is it about learning a, a magic trick, which would be cool, is it about memorizing certain, you know, scriptures? It's, it's good to do. How do we start, though, simply by, by shining, shining brightly in such a way that people would see our good works and, and glorify our Father who is in heaven? I'll give you an acronym so it's easy to memorize. It's the word bless. Everybody say bless. Bless. It's going to be easy for you to memorize. We'll put it on the screen. You can take a picture of it, and by next week, you'll have it memorized. The B stands for begin in prayer. Begin in prayer. Pray for people who you know are far from God, who are spiritually in the dark. Pray for them. Ask God to be working in their life, to be preparing their life for receiving the gospel. Begin in prayer. The word, uh, next word is, is listen. The L stands for listen. Christians, churches are notorious for telling people what to think and what to do. We're very bad about this. Telling people to do what to do without ever really listening and hearing who they are. Ask them questions. Slow down a minute. Listen. Hear their story. Hear what matters to them. Hear what's happened to them and and in their life. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand where he is already working. B-L-E. E stands for eat. It's my favorite one. In some ways, it feels like the easiest one, but it may not be. It really means to spend real time, a lot of time with people, quality time with people. Welcome them into your table. There's an old Russian proverb that says, trust is built over a pound of salt. Unless you eat at McDonald's for every meal, it takes a long time to get to a pound of salt. So it takes a long time to build trust with people. Open your life, open your, your, your table to people and spend real time with them. The S, the first S is the word serve. It means to actually meet practical needs in people's lives as you meet them, as you know them, as you hear them. Don't just give them Christian cliches. Don't be a meme, right? 
but actually get in their life and begin to show the, the love of Christ in a practical way. This is what Jesus did. He came and met a person's need, and then he gave them words of life, didn't he? Serve others as Jesus did. We'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. And the last one is story, the last S, story. It's to open your mouth and begin to share the story of Jesus. The story as you read it in the Bible, the story as it's come to you, how Jesus has shaped and changed your life, share your story, but not just the story that happened a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago when you first you know, were introduced to Christ, but the story about what Jesus is doing in your life this day. Share that story. Share that story. If you're leaning into the life of Christ and being controlled by the love of Christ, you have a story to share each and every day. So every week when we end the service and I say, go be a blessing, this is kind of what I mean, right? Begin in prayer, listen, eat, serve, and share your story. God, would you, God, would you change us? And God, then would you use us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>